in a war. Yes, we are in a spiritual war. This morning's message is entitled Spiritual Warfare. We are in a fight. And when I think about the best fight movies, if you enjoy fight movies, uh, okay, rom-coms are great too, but I love a good fight movie. My mind goes to the Rocky series. Have you seen the Rocky series? Okay, I'm getting some nodding heads. If you have not seen it, you have a homework assignment. Um, But real quick to your neighbor, go ahead and shout out, what is the best Rocky movie? Which Rocky movie is the best? Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, which one is the best? Okay, trick question, because it's clearly Rocky IV. All right, Rocky IV. No debate, no debate there. It is definitely Rocky IV, because there's so much at stake. It's, it's the Americans versus the Russians. It's Rocky versus Drago. I will break you, right? And it starts out, and it's so intense, because Rocky was just enjoying his retirement. Things were good. And then his foe-turned-friend, Apollo Creed, if you remember the movie, was boxing, and he thought it was an exhibition. But the other fighter thought it was war. And it it helps to know that you're in a fight when you're supposed to be in a fight, doesn't it? And so that ends very poorly for Apollo Creed because he thought it was an exhibition, and really it was a war, and that launched Rocky in to revenge the loss of his friend. And then there's that great training sequence you know in Russia he's like running through the snow hearts on fire okay some of you are inspired right now and uh and so no I just think about that fight but here's the thing Apollo Creed lost that opening battle because he didn't realize what he was into he underestimated his opponent and my fear for us as Christians is that sometimes we don't even realize that we're in a war it's important to show up to the fight properly dressed and ready to go, isn't it? Like you need to wear what's appropriate for the occasion. I'm not gonna make any commentary on your dress this morning, but maybe your spouse will, okay? So it's important to dress appropriately for the occasion. I love basketball. I've helped out with basketball camps, basketball teams, basketball tryouts throughout the years. And I remember showing up to help facilitate a tryout when a kid showed up to basketball tryouts in jeans. And I was like, He's not going to make it. (laughs) And he got cut. And so um, it's important. You can know right out of the gate sometimes based on how people approach the event, if they're dressed appropriately, if they're ready for the fight. Now, there's other times you end up in a fight and and it catches you off guard. You weren't ready for it. I think about the classic movie Elf, right? And And the kid's walking home and he's getting picked on by the bullies, right? And all of a sudden, boom, snowball fight. He wasn't ready. But there's good news, because in that case, they had Buddy the Elf ready to go, snowball champion of the world, basically, right? And just took him down in an Oscar-winning performance in the movie Elf, right? And so, so yes, amen to that. Okay, I just, did I just amen Elf? Okay, sorry, apologize for that. Um, great movie. You got some homework assignments to go do, right? And so here's the thing, is that when we are in a battle, sometimes we find ourselves surrounded, and we weren't even ready. But thankfully, we have the word of God and we have the person of God and the spirit of God who's right by our side, ready to help us win the battle. See, our series is called Bibles and Blessings. And the entire series is actually based off today's message. 
So you guys came to the right one. Okay, if you came, maybe you missed the beginning, but I'm glad you're here for the end because the entire series through the book of Ephesians is based off today's message. I think it's interesting that Paul, who's in prison, is writing to the church in Ephesus and he decides to have the climatic conclusion of his letter talking about the practical and the personal and the daily battles that we face as Christians. And it's all connected. It really is. He starts off in chapter one talking about the blessings we have in God and our identity in him, that we are saints, that we are children, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're made alive in him. We are saved by grace through faith. We are God's workmanship created for good works, that God's love is bigger and wider and deeper than anything we can ever ask, think, or imagine. And then he moves into the, from the theological and to the practical side of it and connects the two and says, therefore, we're called to walk. So it starts out by us sitting with Jesus. And then he moves into walking in our calling. And then, and, and then it gets even more practical and says, let me tell you what walking out your identity looks like. And then he, last week we talked about marriage. How healthy marriages and relationships make submission their first mission. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, we didn't have time for it, but then he moves into parenting and the relationship between parent and child. And then he even moves into kind of a tricky one for today's age about masters and slaves. And what's important to understand in that original context were bond servants, that represented 35 to 40 percent of the Roman workforce. And that most likely that there were masters and slaves sitting in the very same room at the same church. Now, at the heart, at the core, the gospel represents freedom. And so Paul later in his letters advocated for that in his letter in what we have called Philemon. And when you look at major civil rights movements, most of the push to equal rights, equal freedom comes from a true understanding of the gospel. But in that particular context, in this particular letter, he's not trying to overthrow the Roman government because, in fact, he is in prison. But rather, what he's trying to say is, hey, a lot of you work this way. Let me address your workplace. And so it's interesting because he says, walk out your calling and then he says, here's what it is to walk out your calling in your marriage. Here's what it is to walk out your calling in your home. And here's what it is to walk out your faith in the workplace. And then isn't it interesting that he moves from that into directly talking about the fact that we're at war. This means that what we battle is a daily hands-on fight. That we have to fight for our marriage. We have to fight for our families. That we have to fight in the workplace for our faith. It's important for us to understand that we're not just sitting here on earth waiting for heaven someday. But instead, we are praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we want to bring heaven down, and we want to bring heaven into our relationships. And so really the, the main point of this morning's message, and really the main point of this entire series, is this. Blessings are found 
in your battles. So it's time to stand and fight. Blessings are found in the battles. So it's time to stand and fight. So the letter starts with us sitting with Jesus. And then it moves to us walking with him. And then it ends and says, now that we've grown and we're mature, it's time to stand and fight. I love that. Right? Hearts on fire. Okay, sorry. Now, you know, growing up, I loved playing video games and I loved the original Mario. And I remember getting that game on a Christmas morning and, and, and playing Super Mario, and I didn't realize that you could jump at first. So, like, the first 10 turns with my brother, I just ran straight into that little character. character. And the first right of the game, I'm like, I died. I'm like, man, this, what game is this, right? I just, like, kept running. I was like, oh, you can jump. And then, like, went through. And if you remember those games, at the very end of every level, there was a staircase, and then you could jump off and get onto the flag. You remember that game? Okay, so some of us, I feel like we're, like, we are living for that jump off end of the level. Meanwhile, we're stuck in the middle, and we're like, ah, I just wish I was done. But the truth is, is that there is blessing, there is joy, there is possibility and opportunity right in the middle of the level right now. Some of you are thinking, man, if I only got this job, if I only got this house, if I only got this promotion, if I only had this relationship, then I would be happy, then I would have joy. And I'm here to tell you today that the blessings you're searching for are not absent of your battles, but they're found right in the middle of. Now, to give you an idea here theologically where this stands, commentators and, and theologians and scholars talk about really three phases in the Christian life, and it helps to understand it. Now, these sound really churchy. I'll be up front and tell you that, but I hopefully I want to give you a little bit of understanding of where we are. So there's three phases here that we're walking through. The first one is called justification. Justification is really when we are declared justified. And that is when we are saved from the penalty of sin. So the moment you pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are justified. You are declared positionally in Jesus Christ. In other words, you are saved. It's not about saying a prayer or checking a box. It's about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he rose again from the third day and that he is the only way to heaven. So it's Lord and Savior. That comes directly out of Romans 10. And so when you are justified, you are saved from the penalty of sin. Therefore, even though you still sin, even though we all fall short, we are not destined to hell because we are saved from the penalty of sin. That's what it means to be justified. But then you have this current section where we live as Christians, where there's this process called sanctification. And sanctification is when we are saved from the power of sin. This is where justification is that you're declared right. Sanctification is where you're made right. And so we don't have the penalty of sin, but we still struggle with sin. As Christians, we still sin every single day. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I wish I was further along. Like, I've, I've read my Bible, I've prayed, I've done all these things, and then I go out and I say that, or I do that, or I don't do what I'm supposed to. Ah, 
Well, it's because sin is still there, but sin doesn't have its power. It says in Colossians, same writer of our letter of Ephesians, Paul, it says there that when Christ died on the cross, he disarmed Satan. He took the gun away from Satan. And so he can scare you. He's the boogeyman. Okay, and he can still do a lot of things. We're going to jump into that today. But he no longer has the power that he once did it because we are being made righteous. And so justification over here is to be saved from the penalty of sin. Then you have sanctification saved from the power of sin. And then someday at the end, when you get to the book of Revelation at the end, we have what's called glorification. And that's where we are saved from the very presence of sin. That's when there's no more mourning, no more death, no more betrayal, no more lies, no more sickness, no more struggle. Because Jesus finally gets to that point and says, enough is enough. I want my people. And so here we find ourselves in the middle stuck between justification and sanctification. Because justification is based on what happened in the past, what Jesus did on the cross. And glorification is based on the return of Jesus and ultimately being resurrected there face to face with him in eternity forever. And so here we find ourselves in the middle and that's where we battle. This is where we fight. But see, here's the difference for Christians. We don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. It reminds me a lot of my college days playing basketball. And here's what I mean. I only got in the game if we were up 20 points. It was about five minutes to go. <laughs> I was one of those players. <laughs> I can't hide talent. And, uh, and uh, you know, apparently just not being bad at things isn't good enough to get you in the starting lineup. Um, and so, but it is good enough to get you a jersey. And so, so I would go in the game at the end when the game had already been decided. But when I got in the game, I was still nervous, right? Because there's still a battle going on. I'm still catching the ball. I'm still shooting. I'm playing defense. There is a, a matchup going on. And so I'm still battling on the court, but our team was going to win the game, right? And so as Christians, we have to remember that no matter how fierce our battle is, I've read the end, we win. You win. Christ wins. That if you are not dead, Christ is not done. And that no matter how bleak things, things look for you in the moment, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. That means that they're in this battle, in this sanctification process, that there are blessings to be found. That as we fight for our marriage and our family and our faith in the workplace, there are blessings to be found. This is not seen as some separate study. And we're going to study today what's called the armor of God. And I just remember as a child at one point in church getting, they actually gave out this plastic armor. It's like called the armor of God set. It was one of the few things um, us conservative Baptists could wear at Halloween. You know what I'm talking about? You had to have like Bible characters. And so like, I wish I could find that armor. It was great. I loved playing. It had like a little, 
silver plate and with a red cross on it, and it was awesome. But if I tried to put it on now, it would be like the bib of God because it would just go to like here. And um, anyway, and so the problem though is that when we think of the armor of God, some of us, while we want to have childlike faith, we end up with childish faith and we never grow up. Maybe you think about the Bible stories like flannel graph, right? The felt boards with the giant characters. Maybe you think of Veggie Tales, or you think of Patch the Pirate or Salty the songbook, the, the big blue book, it was like the Christian version of the Kool-Aid man, you know what I mean? And he's saying, and, and some of you are nodding because you know, and some of you are like, wow, Christians are weird. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. And so I remember thinking, the armor of God, it's these cartoon characters fighting each other. And then the reality is that you grow up and you struggle. You struggle in your thought life. You struggle with worry and anxiety and depression and you feel attacked spiritually, and you feel disconnect between close relationships, and you feel a disconnect between what you read on the page and what you experience in life, or what you sing about on a Sunday versus what you walk into on Monday, and we are in a battle, and some of us have to realize that being a Christian does not mean life is easy, but rather life is eternal. And that we're playing the long game. We're playing the long game. And it starts now. And so we have to move from sitting with Christ to walking with him to standing and fighting against the schemes of the devil. One of the greatest things Satan can do is to get us to believe that he's not real. He is a created being. He is a fallen angel. He's described as a prowling lion in 1 Peter 5. He's described as a serpent in Genesis 3. He's called Lucifer in Isaiah 14. The word devil means accuser. He speaks lies. Lies are his natural tongue. Satan means adversary. And so we see these things and he is at work and while he is not equal with God, it is his mission to separate God from what he loves, which is his people. And so he's going to do everything he can to work in your life and to get you to doubt who God is. So this is why Paul, I think, in prison, interestingly enough, standing right next to a Roman soldier. You're going to see why that's important in just a moment whether it was chained to his arm or outside of his house on house arrest, he's got a working illustration for what we're about to read. And he's talked about everything. You are a saint. You are loved. You are alive. God loves you. I am the worst of saints. God loves you. Do you get it? God loves you. So walk in that love. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your home. Fight for your faith in the workplace because it is a battle. And so we pick it up here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And he says this, finally, be strong in the Lord. In the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. See, you don't wrestle things from afar, right? It's hand to hand. 
combat. It is sibling rivalry that happens, right, when you're hanging. Like, kids, stop it. <laughs> stop it. That doesn't happen from afar. It's up close. So we are in a battle. We are in a wrestling match from the birthplace of wrestling there in Greece and Roman cultures. And so this was very real for this culture. And he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. And so we see this process of being strong, of putting on the whole armor of God. That means it goes together. And then it says to stand firm. And it says it three times in there. See, Satan is real, and Satan wants to take you down. And he's not going to do so overtly. See, John 10.10 says this, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, and I came that they may have life and life abundantly. In the Lord's Prayer, it talks about us, but it also talks about the fight we have against the devil. It says, and in our prayer, it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, don't get me wrong. When we sin, that's our responsibility. That's like when you hear of a, a bank robbery and you hear, oh, it was an inside job. Someone from within inside the organization was responsible for the wrongdoing. Anytime you sin is an inside job. <laughs> that means you self-sabotage yourself, that you are responsible for your own choices. That comes directly out of James 1. But... There's also that direct connection. It says, deliver us from evil. But thankfully, our weapons are not physical, that they are so much more than that. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds, what you have available to you can break through any stronghold that Satan tries to have over you, any addiction, any battle with anxiety and doubt and worry. If you ever had that thought that came into your head and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Questions like, am I enough? How can God love me? How could God use me? If they only knew the real me, they would leave. I was hurt. I'll get hurt again. I was betrayed. Everyone's going to leave me. Where do you think those thoughts come from? Where do you think those issues come from? We're at war. And so he says, we have to put on the armor of God. Well, what is the armor of God? We're going to notice seven things. Here, we're going to read this together here. Stand, therefore, having fashioned the belt of truth. Now, it's not a belt like we think of today. He's not wearing pants. Okay, but based on the outfit, the belt held the sword. The belt held the tunic, held the clothing up so that soldiers could run. And so the belt is central 
to the movement of the soldier in the same way, if Satan speaks nothing but lies, then it makes sense that we start with truth. And so we have the belt of truth. And then having put on the breastplate of righteousness, Again, we talked about this, right? Justified means to be declared right. Sanctified means to be made right. So we are being made right. We have the breastplate of Christ's righteousness. This is his armor. It's no longer like the armor of Saul in the Old Testament when Saul put the armor on David. He said, here, go fight Goliath. He says, nope, I don't need that. Instead, we have the armor of God, the armor of Christ in here. This will work. He can't touch you with this. And so we have the belt of truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. And then it says, as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I was talking with uh, Wendy McKay and in Grove Gals that have been studying all semester, the armor of God. And they said they were talking about as a group how the first three items or actually the outfit that you wear that you gotta put on every single day. This means that the fact that he says to put on, that you have to consciously choose truth, righteousness, and peace every single day as a Christian. This is the outfit. The first three are the outfit. The next four are what you actually take into battle. But notice here that it says the shoes are the gospel of peace. Many of you know I had a boot on my foot for almost two months as I tore my plantar fascist tendon of doing the crazy thing of jumping. Apparently that's the age I'm at now. And uh, I'm playing with my kids. And so, you know, lesson learned, right? Don't play with your kids. And, uh, and, and so uh, when I finally got out of the boot last week, I was excited. And so the doctor recommended that you get special soles for your arches and so I went in and I got custom measured for soles to put in my shoes. I didn't know before this that there were custom things that help how you walk. Maybe some of you knew that, I did not. And so I went in and I got custom measured for soles to go in the shoes so that I can walk properly. Now think about that for us as a church. Every single one of you has custom soles put in your life Soul, you are a soul, O-U-L, okay? And that means that the gospel of peace are the shoes you're called to put on every single day, that it's not just some prayer you prayed when you were a kid, but that you need it right now. And so start every day, put on that belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of the gospel of peace. Because then he goes on and it says here, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, this is awesome because in the Roman soldier days, this shield was massive. It was about four, four and a half feet tall and two and a half feet wide. And in fact, they had a Roman formation and the Latin word testudo, which is Latin for tortoise. And if you've ever seen movies where the soldiers walk with their shields and then they get in formation and they stop and side by side the shields lock and then the shoulders behind put the shields up top and so they form this complete shell like a tortoise, like a turtle. Here's what's interesting about that. Your shield of faith is not just for you. 
and that this shield of faith doesn't work unless we have a community of people holding up the shield for each other because there are times where you cannot hold up your shield and that is where your loved ones and your church and your community say, I've got you. Because we don't walk by sight, do we? What do we walk by? Walk by faith. And we are not saved by works. We are saved by grace through what? Through faith. So it makes sense that your greatest defensive weapon is the shield. And then it says, take on the helmet of salvation and the sword, uh, the helmet of salvation. And so this idea, this battle for your mind is to remember in your mind, the renewal of your mind, that you are in fact saved if you believe in Christ as Lord and Savior. The first battle that you have to win each and every day is up here. And that's why it's so important that we need that reinforced steel message to block things out, to understand that we are saved. And then he goes in, and all those things are defensive weapons, right? And then he goes, well, what, what do we have to go on offense? He says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? Which is the word of God. What did Jesus use to defeat Satan in the wilderness when he was tempted? It's the word of God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Scripture is your friend and your best weapon when you're battling. When you can say, not today, and you start reciting promise after promise after promise, and you start to believe it. Now I said seven weapons, and we just list, or seven pieces, and we just listed six of them. Well, I think he actually includes the seventh last in this way. Here's what he says, prayer. Prayer is a weapon of the armor of God. It says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication and keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And he continues on. And he says, and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Blessings are found in your battles. So it's time to stand and fight. I don't know what battles you're facing right now but I can tell you that God is present and God has given us the battle plan the strategy and the armor to face the schemes of the devil that if you're facing battles of identity and self-worth Christ is there if you're struggling with trust and betrayal Christ is there if you're trying to find purpose and meaning, Christ is there. I don't think Paul started with this battle 
plan because, because it might have scared some people off. Instead, he finishes it because he starts off saying, no, you have been justified. You have been saved through the power of Jesus Christ who conquered death, who makes us alive then we can walk in this power, that we can walk in this calling, in this love, and in our marriages, in our workplace, in our families, that then now, that whatever you are facing each and every day, I am writing this right now with a Roman guard outside my window awaiting my death, and my prayer is not just to escape the battle, but to preach boldly and to preach from victory in this battle. Do you remember the, the game, the card game as a kid, war? Like I declare war, right? Real simple, I like that. Right, you flip the card over, whoever has a higher card takes it. Well, I wanna encourage you that whatever card Satan flips down, here's the advantage. You get to look at your cards. He lays out the cards, he gives you the cards, he gives you the armor. And so whatever card Satan lays down, you just play the bigger one. He plays the victim card, you play the victory card. He plays the sinful, unworthy card, you play the I'm forgiven card. He plays the lost and broken world card, you say no, I am a son or daughter of God. He plays the, the betrayal. You play the redeemed. He plays the darkness. You play the light. He plays the lie. You play the truth. He plays the death card. You play the life. It doesn't matter what scheme, what plan Satan has against you. What I'm here to tell you is that we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. And whatever battle you're facing right now, you can win it. Why? Because Christ can win it. And because Christ's love conquers all. That there is hope for your relationship. There is hope for your freedom. That it brings breaks strongholds, that it reconciles relationships, that it identifies purpose, that it gives you meaning and joy, and that our relationship, our faith is not for one day to sit on a cloud and play a harp, that we can live in purpose and meaning and joy right now in this moment because we are not praying for our kingdom up in heaven. We are praying for God's kingdom here on earth, and it starts today. It starts with you, and it starts with me. Amen. There are blessings in your battle. So it's time to stand. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray right now for those who are fighting, for those who are struggling. God, I pray that they can embrace who you are, that they can be strong, not in our might, but in yours. That we can put on the full armor of God. That we can stand firm. that you break strongholds today. I ask that we could experience freedom today and forgiveness and redemption today. And so God, we love you because you first loved us. Help us to live in that love, God. Thank you for giving us victory. In your son's name we pray, amen.